You're listening to The Hour with Resident Advisor. The Hour! This, this, this is this, this, The Hour. You're listening to The Hour. This is The Hour. With Resident Advisor. Hello and welcome to the year-end edition of The Hour. I'm Ryan Keeling, RA's editor. We're trying something slightly different with our year-end rap podcast this time around. This is partly because we just couldn't manage to get everybody in the same place for a couple of hours, and partly because we wanted to bring you more music and more opinions than we have done in past years. So over the next hour, you're going to hear from some small groups of RA staff and contributors talking about their favorite music and artists from this year. And we'll also have some individual contributors pitching in with their thoughts. The questions everyone answered were incredibly simple. What was your favorite track, album and performance of 2017? We're going to start off in London with myself, Martha, the hour's producer and Aaron, RA's news editor. So Aaron, you asked me to ask you where you first heard this first track. So I'm assuming this is an incredible story. Uh, I'm actually going to have to let you down because it's a fairly unremarkable story. But I first heard this song uh, at Brilliant Corners, which is a, a listening bar, I guess, in East London where we do a monthly series of live stream events. Um, and I found that we've been doing that all year and each time there's always one or two tracks that stand out. And on this occasion it was Zaltan from Antonope playing. Um, and the song was called I Can't Connect by Celine Gillian. And you know when you sort of hear a song and you go rushing up to the DJ booth and you have to know what it is. Um, I guess that was the case here. Although I, being a listening bar, I more sort of tiptoed up to the booth and whispered very quietly and asked what it was. Um, but the thing I like about this is that the track itself and the label kind of exist outside my uh, network of you know PR and social media and labels and artists that I know. Um, I know very little about Celine and the label it came out on, Lexi Discs, um, other, that, other than that they're both based in Brussels. Um, and the label releases arty little seven inches. Um, I, th I guess if I was going to describe the, the track itself, um, it's, it's a striking song, very sort of sparse arrangement with, I presume, Celine's vocals. Um, and a thing that I, I quite like about it, and it's on the Lexi Discs, site uh, that they explain it's about women searching for their own ways uh, in the boys club of music um, which I think makes a very timely um, reflection of one of 2017's you know more important and welcome trends selected Zur and Aisha Devi's Body of Light, which comes from Zur's album, right? Yeah, um, Zur's album came out this year on Planet Mew and Objects Limited, and it's called You Feel Anything. And this is 
just a track that I keep on coming back to um, for my sets and just to listen to, which is kind of unusual because I find that go through music like quite quickly and like throw a lot of the stuff to the side. Uh, but this I kept on coming back to and it just is like really nice. Two friends making a song together. It's really beautiful. Aisha Devi is a Swiss artist and Zia lives in Berlin. And um, yeah, she came to visit me at Radar um, to like do a listening party for the album. And she's just, just telling me all this stuff about it as like a body of work and how like there's all these kind of secret messages like woven into like the fabric of the music that you wouldn't even know were there. Like she's recorded her own vocals and they're just like secretly in there and there's stuff in like loads of different languages that you might not pick up on. Yeah, it's all three. I can I can safely say that like I listen to it when I'm walking around town. I uh, play it on the radio and I've played it in the club as well. Nice. Which is really cool. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. But Zio's had like an amazing year, and it's just really nice to see her just growing in strength and making great music. She's like signed with Disc Woman this year, which is a huge step, and she's played like all around the world. And then the album was just like topped it off. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Incredible album. <laughs> So I've gone for PTU's A Broken Clock Is Right Twice A Day. Uh, this came out of Neither Kravis's trip label uh, towards the beginning of the year. I straight up think this was the best track from uh, an incredible label, uh, a label that had another incredible year. Um, it's sort of no secret that I sort of consider 140 BPM techno to be quite slow. Um, and this one came in at a very satisfactory 146. Um, but obviously it's not just all about the tempo. Um, I guess it's just really like an assembly line of sort of strange and surprising sounds. Um, I really like the fact that um, lots of the elements in this track only appear once. You know, um, I could imagine sort of um, a lesser or maybe more conservative producer like building an entire uh, track around some of these single elements, but everything's just popping in and out of the mix seemingly at random. Um, another aspect uh, that I really liked about this track was it was less than four minutes long. Um, I would encourage more people to make techno that's uh, under four minutes. Just <laughs> just kind of get in, say what you need to say and, and get out of there. Um, and I think overall, the thing that struck me about this one is it's kind of what I'm looking for from techno tracks these days. You know, we're talking about a style that you know, it comes with its kind of hang-ups and it comes with its patterns and its arrangements and its formulas that have been in place for a long time, but music that can kind of uh, still retain the utility, the dance floor utility of techno, but, you know, really go for it for the, with the arrangements and the sound design and things of that nature, um, you know, is, is really impressive to me and that's something that I'm looking for.
So Aaron, you've selected uh, Pauline Anastrom's Trans uh, Millennium Music as your album, which uh, has just come out or is about to come out? Yeah, it's it's out now. Actually, it's sold out um, from most, if not all, UK uh, outlets, I guess. Um, but yeah, it was, I mean, it was another really great year for the Revenge label. And um, I think this was the, the sort of jewel in their crown, I guess, alongside the Visible Cloaks stuff. Um, and it's a collection of music from from Pauline um, that she released previously in the 1980s. I, I guess it sort of fits into the existing canon of like Bay Area experimental synth music. I guess Suzanne Chiani is a is another good example. Um, but Pauline herself was more influenced by Tangerine Dream and Klaus Schulze and artists like that. Um, and you can really hear that in her music. She was born permanently blind um in her music you can there's a really rich um illustrative feel to the sound she creates and that really kind of comes to, to sort of bear in the the track titles like the songs like gossamer silk rain on ancient keys um they're very evocative and she can make her synths sound like trickling water for example it's really beautiful I'm going to lead into your album selection by asking if you've been wearing your J-Hus bucket hat much. <laughs> uh, yeah, and it's in my room so I can see it every day from every angle. <laughs> so you've picked J-Hus. I've picked J-Hus. Am I allowed this one? Yeah, of course yeah. you're allowed okay. this one. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've listened to something from Common Sense every day since it came out in May. I love it so much. In my um, Spotify wrapped, did you do that thing on... No. Oh, you can like go on your Spotify it will tell you what you've been listening to the most and how much you've been listening to it and um, four out of five of my tracks were Jay Huss songs from Common Sense and my number one artist was Jay Huss so I feel like I'm definitely up there with like the biggest fans I was really lucky and I got to hear some a few bits of the album before it came out and I was just like oh my god this is like really really something that I'm gonna love and I was so excited for it to come out and it came out didn't disappoint like love all the tracks on there feel like all of them could be singles yeah there's like a garage song on there there's afrobeat stuff pop songs on there and more of like the rap stuff that shows the other side to him as well and he's just been such an important character for 2017 in my opinion because he's like set so many trends like bringing words from his slang into like the wider culture and vocabulary in the uk things that you hear on the album you're like oh my god and then it sort of becomes a word oh, you've you've actually heard that development over the course of this year yeah definitely yeah yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and also because like form 696 was lifted which was in the news and everything recently and that meant that he could play in london for the first time and yeah that was like a really special moment as well so weird that he'd become like such a big artist without ever like playing his hometown because he wasn't really allowed 
So 2017 belongs to Jay Huss, in my opinion. You see me up out the minivan. You never see the way I came. Looking like a fisherman. I can't stop, I'm a busy man. Holding fire for hell, man. You see me up out the minivan. You never see the way I came. Looking like a fisherman. I can't stop, I'm a busy man. Holding fire for hell, man. I'm the leng man in the rain. One girl by my side, by the name of Lorraine. She complain, got all the fishes wanna follow me. She know me too well, cause she study criminology. I'm all about quality, not quantity. Grab the bunda, cause it's my property. You can look, but don't touch it, please. Cause I'm the jealous type, and that bothers me. Come on, I smoke your fat head like they never told you. Just smoked a fat head, cause I'm never sober. Fisherman slash Casanova. Guarantee I get my thing before the dance is over. Before the dance is done up, real fisherman makes those girl get turned up. My role with the finger one up, real fisherman please don't get me Okay, so I've gone for Arca's uh, self-titled record on XL this year, and I would probably go as far as to say that this was the most uh, bold and ambitious electronic music album, not just from this year, but probably from the past uh, several years. Um, I really think for me, everything about this record, you know, from the music, obviously, to the visual direction, to the videos, to the live show, uh, really felt deeply, deeply inspired. And it felt like the result of a very, very clear and considered artistic direction. Um, I think it's doubly impressive when you consider Arca's uh, journey as an artist up until this point. Uh, starting out six or seven years ago, making uh, music that was kind of hip hop inspired, seemingly, but you know, very distinctive and uh, very wonky. Uh, moving into just dense, very futuristic sound design, making uh, records for Kalela and Bjork, and contributing to the to the Kanye West record, but then arriving uh, near the beginning of this year um, with this just with such a bold statement and uh, to, to just kind of debut the album or to give the first taste of the album through uh, PL which was the opening track and to be introduced to this whole new direction where his almost operatic vocal delivery is driving the record uh, but is then paired with kind of a reimagining of his of his former self you know his former artistic uh, you know sonic signature and I was just so impressed with the way these two things were able to, to harmonize, really. Um, I think it was incredibly brave to step out in the way that he did, um, you know, both in creating this character that he did, that sort of accompanied everything that was really like a, a core part of the record, um, but then to uh, deliver, deliver the vocals in the way that he did and do it so convincingly. Um, yeah, I mean, I've used the word bold a couple of times already, but yeah, I, I really, really think that this was uh, this is something special. Well, I guess Arca's live show is every bit as remarkable as his album. I mean, where does that rank for you in terms of what you've seen in 2017? Um, it was probably, admittedly, uh, my favourite live performance from this year, but um, I'm not going to pick Arca in two categories, obviously. Uh, just to recap on the live show very quickly, Incredible, uh, very, very visually um, orientated. Jesse Kander is long-term uh, collaborator, but is you know, very, very much a part of the show with his kind of strange and grotesque and you know sometimes like borderline offensive visual direction. But um, Arca's embodiment of this this kind of wounded matador character, and you know, you know the stilts from the video and 
everything about it. He just he just embodies that character, you know, to the point where it feels just like an exaggeration or an extension of you know something that's been brewing inside him for a long time. But anyway, I didn't I didn't pick Arca. I've gone for uh, Donato Dozzi's closing set from Terraforma, uh, which is a small festival near Milan in Italy. Um, this was, yeah, it was really the end of a fantastic weekend. I think one of the standout features from this festival is, although there's multiple stages, there's one of them open at any given time, so the whole festival kind of sticks together. And this closing set was a surprise or maybe like an open secret that he was going to do this. But I think the thing that kind of floored me about this set was the fact that he just through i don't know it felt at the time like a massive kerbal maybe maybe he has played this style of music before but he kept pulling back a little bit so there's some quieter moments and then he would build things back up again he definitely played a gabba record and then closed it out on i think it was something on samurai i think it was a homemade weapons record what was the crowd's reaction to that set i'm i'm interested um everybody was going absolutely nuts and i think it's sort of testament to how well the festival is programmed that, um, you know, hearing drum and bass right at the end in no way stood out because we'd all already experienced everything from like solo cello performances through to dubstep and techno and, you know, lots of other things that aren't connected to dance music. So it was very much in the spirit of the festival, I would say. Um, tell me about your pick while you've got the microphone. So my standout performance this year was a live show by Autumn Alpha. Uh, at this year's uh, Nyege Nyege Festival in Jinja, which is a couple of hours' drive from Kampala. Um, and they played on the main stage of the festival. And I, I guess to paint a bit of a picture, uh, the festival takes place amid thick jungle in a resort that was built but never actually opened by the source of the River Nile. So that in itself is uh, pretty mind-blowing. Um, and Autumn Alpha and his producer, Leo Playing, um, are pioneers of a sound that's called Electro Choli, which is, a, I guess, electronic update on traditional um, Acholi music from northern Uganda. Um, so Autumn took the stage in a really dazzling suit and started off by playing the Adungu harp. And then he and Leo kind of burst into their sort of fast-paced Electro Choli music um, with Autumn singing and Leo handling the, handling the electronics. Um, and I guess it's, yeah, it's really quick, fun, joyous music, um, often in the sort of 160 plus BPM category, kind of your, your sort of pace there, Ryan. Um, and I, I guess it was one of the of many standout um, performances from, from that festival. And yeah, I think the, the Nyange Nyange crew are, are doing some pretty inspiring things. Yeah, I was amazed at Unsound, uh, just how quickly people took to a sound that they had probably literally never heard before. I mean, was your connection to it just immediate and was the crowd's connection to it immediate? Absolutely. And yeah, it's kind of um, shows how rapid um, Autumn's Rise has been in that he, you know, the album uh, Gulu City Anthems came out in February 2017. And by October, he was playing at Unsound. And that was the first time him and Leo had actually left Uganda. So... It was really, you know, one of the year's really lovely success stories.
Martha, I actually hadn't heard of the DJ you've selected for your yes. standouts. Yeah, <laughs> you see, that's a victory. Uh, but this was at Sonar Festival. Yeah, I'm really happy because I actually have seen loads of amazing DJ sets this year, which is really encouraging. And it was actually really hard to pick one to talk about because I saw Bjork DJ at the Corsica Hyperdub night this year, and that was banging. So there's a lot of people who are envious of that. Yeah, and I also saw the other day Kalella at Heaven, and like, there's not been a Kalella show where I haven't shed a tear. So that's like always great. It's like therapy for me. But the one I've actually gone for is a South Korean DJ called Min, and I saw her play at Sonar in Barcelona, which is like probably my favorite festival anyway. Min, uh, she plays really often at Cake Shop and she's supported people like uh, Jesse Lanza and Kablam and Bok Bok at Cake Shop. But yeah, it was really cool to see her playing like an international set at Sonar. For me, it was just like exactly what I wanted from the festival, just like embodied in a set. And it was like this blend of like sounds that I'd never heard mixed up with something that's like maybe more abrasive stuff balance out with like a pop vocal that you might recognize to make sure you're still okay just like still hanging in there and she was playing some footwork and also some UK stuff as well so it was just like a really nice rounded thing and it was just nice to see someone who's like a resident DJ building up from nothing to being able to play at a festival in Europe I thought that was really cool do you think that balance is quite tricky to get right at times? I, I, get, I guess I'm asking just because you're um, someone who personally um, can play, you know, quite strange and abrasive and out there music. Thank but you. <laughs> but is that is that a, tri a tricky balance? To yeah. Achieve? You know, is that something you're looking for in DJs? Yeah, hundred percent. That's like, yeah, that's like something I think about so much. Like, I want to be challenged from a DJ set, but I also want to have fun, and I want. I want someone to like take me somewhere that's like part of my brain that I haven't been to before but also I want to be okay like I want to hear Rihanna every now and again just so that I know that I'm still good so yeah I thought she navigated that really well it was like really inspiring to see also nice to see someone that's not like necessarily a producer as well just doing really well just from their DJing I think that's been kind of a theme for this year like you've seen more people just concentrating on the art of DJing I guess We are here in Resident Advisors Los Angeles office. It's Andrew Rice, RA's North American editor, and myself, Matthew McDermott. I'm a staff writer for Resident Advisor, and one of the highlights of this year was having Andrew relocate to Los Angeles. It's been very nice having you here in the office. I moved from Canada to the U.S., and now I'm here. It is warm. It's December, and uh, we're excited to do this year-end wrap-up. So let's just launch into things here. For your track, you picked a Canadian artist. As I do. Can you tell us a little bit about CL's Elevate, the go-off mix? CL's a kind of like rising Toronto artist in my eyes. Um, she's been a pretty notable DJ in Toronto for the last two or three years. She plays a lot of electro and progressive house in her sets, often a lot of old stuff too, um, which kind of sets her apart. Less so now as more people get onto that sound, but for a while, especially in Canada, that really 
made her stand apart. And uh, she started producing this year for the first time, the first uh, just for fun, a few tracks on SoundCloud. And then she booked Shanti Celeste for her party in Toronto called Work in Progress. And Shanti heard the tracks and immediately signed them. And so that was this is from her first release on Shanti's little Peach Discs. Um, I, I love Elevate because I feel like it really. Uh, encapsulates so much of the different trends in dance music in 2017. There's a bit of electro, there's some breakbeat, there's some proggy melodies, and it's all done in this really like nice, warm, sprightly style, really catchy, very memorable. Uh, yeah, it was just like an instantly likable track, and it, it stuck with me from the minute she put it on her SoundCloud. So I waited about six months for it to come out, and it's totally worth it. Also enjoyed the debut Peach release from Shanti herself, correct? Yeah, that was another highlight this year. Um, kind of like crazy drum programming that almost sounds like breakbeats, but isn't really good since. Uh, your pick was an old track from 1983. How do you say the artist's name? I guess it's pronounced Larry Chernikov, but I haven't heard of him prior to this year when the Miracle Steps compilation came out. That was compiled by J.D. Twitch, as well as Fergus Clark, an extremely young record digger and DJ from Glasgow who runs the 12th Isle label. And I thought the compilation was great in general, but this one was a revelation to me. It kind of struck a balance between spiritual jazz, the kind of like kraut rock Americana combo of an artist named Henry Flint, um, and also John Hassel's Fourth World Theory, which was what the uh, compilation was based around. And, um, you know, that theory kind of posits that combining indigenous musical traditions with modern technology can form like a placeless music for imaginary worlds. Um, but in the context of this compilation, Larry Chernikoff is sort of from this like GeoCities, CD only, kind of like deeply uncool end of American New Age and world music. But it sort of spelled out the promise of a compilation like this and record digging in general. Like if record collectors are purveyors of secret histories, they have the power to recontextualize tracks. And, um, you know, this has been something that I've returned to time and time again this year because it really doesn't sound like anything else. Why do you think Fourth World resonated so much this year? It was definitely a, a big year for Fourth World music. Yeah, there have been various theories about why ambient music writ large has resonated so much this year. Um, but I, I think it's sort of the combination of world music and ambient music both sort of enjoying kind of peak popularity at this point. I, I think that it's a natural, a natural step. People, people want to hear, um, you know, music from an early homemade electronic era uh, that integrates like odd sort of microtonal different tuning um, 
bizarre influences that still manages to sound futuristic. And there happen to be a lot of those records. I, I don't think that we're anywhere near the bottom of the well as far as that goes. mainstay Varg. Its mouthful of a title is Nordic Flora Series Part 3, Gore-Tex City. Varg on his own is just an incredible talent. Uh, he can produce remarkably fast. He makes techno that sounds very rich and melodic and lush with an iPad. Um, I think the standout thing about his music right away is that it doesn't just sound like typical dark, drony, tunneling techno. It always has personality to it. And I think that this album, which is the third in a series of like three of his best releases, really let his personality come out. Like, he's a very boisterous person on social media, has a very funny and sometimes controversial feed. The personality on the album uh, really solves the kind of like techno album conundrum where you know you have an, a, an album full of techno tracks uh, all in a row, no one wants to listen to that, it doesn't really make, make like a good album. Um, Varg incorporates slam poetry from Chloe Wise, uh, some singing and rapping from artists like Young Lean, and all, all this kind of pop and spoken word interpolations in the music, and yet it never leaves his kind of like post-punky techno palette. And I think the album flows really well. Some parts of it are kind of ridiculous, but still work. There are references to like champagne and money and all the things that Vark likes, but it's still in this very mournful, lonely sound palette, which is influenced by his traveling. Lots of field recordings of trains and airplanes and such and I just like I kept putting back to it throughout the whole year uh, which is rare for a techno album just because it has so much imagination and personality in it for me. pick is a, a lot more serene and quiet, but from one of my favorite artists, the French artist Colleen, um, called A Flame, My Love, A Frequency. Yeah, this was interesting. I had heard friends that are more into like post-rock and that sort of stuff really praise Colleen's music in the past, but I wasn't extremely familiar. Um, but this one, when it got sent over from Thrill Jockey, I just immediately became obsessed with it. I listened to it almost every morning for a month. For a while, it was almost my default record that I listened to. Trying to figure out why that occurred is a little more difficult. It was her first electronic record. She literally made it with miniature instruments, specifically the Critter and Guitari pocket piano, as well as a Septa box and a couple of Moog pedals. Um, in that sense, like the songs feel a bit like taking a peek at a complex diorama. 
Um, whereas Mark Smith says the connections between nature, time, and the mind are blurred. They're almost interchangeable. But what, what I think is really interesting about the record is this is like extremely technical music. When I saw Colleen perform live, she had these large sheets printed out and she dial in the settings on her pedals as well as the crittering guitars painstakingly before every song. But she's working through extremely profound feelings um, in these very sort of light miniaturistic songs as well. Um, that was an odd balance and I, I found the record to be incredibly complex and rewarding for that reason. It's also a new sound for her. I think you reviewed her last one and that was sort of her interpretation of kind of sunny dub sounds and she's rated Parisian music libraries for samples in the past. She's taken a long break from music. This is an artist who has a distinctive voice no matter what approach or what equipment they're using. live performances. I, I heard you raving about the Sophie performance that happened at the Terragram Ballroom here in LA as part of Red Bull Music Academy's festival. I wasn't sure what to expect. Um, the room was black at first, uh, very quiet, nothing was happening. Uh, and then the minute the music started, it was just a blinding strobe light in like a stadium-sized LED screen in a theater. And the effect was immediately overwhelming, um, almost surreal. Uh, and I never realized how sub-heavy Sophie's music was. Obviously, it works in a club, but he, seeing the strobe light in, in uh, uh, seeing the strobe light synchronized with the kick drum, it was such a uh, intense, rapid experience, um, and it, it really like brought home to me what an amazing producer Sophie was because there were all these new songs like uh, Pony Boy, which just came out as a single last week, and a few other new ones that are going to be on the album, uh, where you have these incredibly kitschy, high-pitched, saccharine melodies paired with this brutal, almost industrial low end. The performance had peaks and valleys through these kind of industrial workouts to ballads with, with like a, with ballads and duets with beautiful ocean visuals and then back to the, the pure black and white strobe light. And it was just like an immersive, almost like performance art piece, more so than a concert. Uh, and it wasn't clear that except for the vocals, anything was live at all. Uh, the, the equipment didn't look plugged in. It was all very choreographed, but again, it was like performance art and it was one of the most uh, inventive and impressive electronic uh, music performances I've probably ever seen. It was amazing how you can make electronic music that's recorded and produced already feel so live and theatrical without even doing that much to it. Uh, just with the visuals, choreography, I mean, invented music to begin with. It was, it was an experience for sure. You made a tweet earlier this month where you said, I pity anyone who still doesn't realize that Sophie is one of the most visionary producers of our time. This isn't the first year that Sophie has been a hyped artist that's been discussed in year-end roundups. What made this year different? 
Well, it was par- probably that partly that performance which made me realize that that she is so much more than just uh, the PC music thing and the the kind of consumerist like uh, Dada parody that PC music uh, engages in. It's it's much more her own thing with crazy contrast in sound and vocals and melodies. And there is some commercialism commentary there, but it's also like more personal and more sexual. And I just, the, the sounds that she makes and the sounds she puts together are unreal. And hearing like 10 to 12 of them in one show, like who is this person? What's in her mind? What's, how does she make this music? I was just blown away. And everything else she's been involved in this year, like the Charlie XCX tracks, um, some other stuff I found out that she's been involved in recently, like I just, I'm always shocked by her and impressed by her every time. Laurel Halo uh, is an artist who's been touring live a lot the past two years, including with uh, percussionist Eli Kessler lately, but you picked uh, her, one of her DJ sets as your favorite performance this year. Yeah, that w- I think that in most roundups this year, you'll hear about Laurel Halo's critically acclaimed and excellent album Dust, or her live show, which was also fairly next level and featured her in um, a moderately improvised collaboration with Eli Kessler. But what I think might go overlooked is that I feel like Laurel Halo really came into her own as a DJ this year. I believe both of us were in attendance at an actress show that happened in the Globe basement. Indeed, I was there. Uh, The venue was cool, kind of novel, but subpar sound made for an actress set that was maybe even more inscrutable than Mr. Cunningham would have liked it to be. Um, But then Laurel kind of wandered in wearing a trench coat and braids and just completely dismantled the place. I'd I'd say that her sound is like kind of a mix of the sort of Liberty sound, Hessel axis mixed with hyperdub mixed with the sort of uh, insouciant attitude towards genre that the experimental club kids have mixed with her upbringing in near Detroit mixed with her Berlin community radio show. And it it just all, it just all really came together this year. Uh, Very little for, for she's playing tracks that you might know that sound different in her hands, a lot of energy. And I think it's also really on display in her disc woman mix. So I, I found her approach thrilling, and I know that she's been sort of working towards having the DJ career as well as the live and solo production career sort of become separate things, and I, I think that really snapped into focus this year, and she's just had an impressive year in general, um, you know, to come along so far as a DJ as well as a live performer is incredibly impressive. Yeah, I mean, I remember that show and, you know, I wouldn't think of Laurel Halo as a DJ first and foremost, but it was really impressive and it was really impressive how she blended so many different genres and went from point A to point B so naturally as well. There was no clashing, no, it wasn't surprising, it was also smooth and I was, I was really impressed with that set as well. Hi, this is Sybil. I'm part of the editorial team here at Resident Advisor. My track of the year is Every Single Fish in the Pond by Jas. This is the first track of her album, Weightless. Okay, there's something quite cinematic about this track. It's quite an amazing album opener with great use of space and tension. It builds up for the first few minutes of the track and then about two thirds of the way through it changes completely. 
As soon as I heard it, I could immediately hear her influences in it as I got to see her DJ at the waiting room in London. I think it was in March and it was really rainy that night and not many people came. It must have been about 10 people, but her set was one of the most bold and daring DJ sets I've seen this year. And she played a track that night by Way Towsend, quite raw, noisy dub. And I hadn't really heard anything like that until I heard this track on Jazz's album and the rest of the album. Uh, I think she's definitely an artist to watch and I was very impressed with her production. Okay, so my album of the year, um, I actually didn't hear until quite recently and it passed me by the first time around when it came out. And it's the Mono Non Aware comp by Pan. Lots of different artists on that. This year I found myself particularly drawn to ambient music in general. Perhaps it's been the generally chaotic state of the world and just a fatigue with casual listening to club music. Um, but I've been looking for alternative sounds and listening to quite a lot of ambient music. And for this comp, Pan gathered an array of artists associated with the label and who are usually known for their cutting edge, sort of deconstructed club music. But for this comp, brought together all of their different ambient creations. And um, yeah, I, I was in the car with my friend and we were driving around London and it was raining at night. And uh, he put this comp on and I guess maybe it was the settings, but I, I really it really touched me and I've since kept returning to listening to it. Standout tracks for me were actually um, Sky H1's Hewitt and uh, the track by Havad and Pandai Jin called Zhao Hua. Check it out, the whole thing's great. My performance of the year uh, was seeing Pharmacon play live at the Mimolaven Mine at Norberg Festival in the summer. Um, I was trying to think of performances and this one was an absolute standout. Maybe it was the combination of the setting uh, and the very visceral performance, but I hadn't really seen anything like that before and noise music isn't something I'd normally find myself listening to, but uh, her, her performance was 
extremely physical. She had the mic and she was running around this abandoned mine, which is extremely tall. And you look up and there's just stairwells crawling around the inside of this tower. And there was lots of smoke and red light. And she's running around up and down the stairs, going in, in and out of the crowd. She's got a table covered in electronics, which she's sort of quite aggressively grabbing at. Um, and yeah, it was it was very amazing. Well, thanks for coming, guys. I'm Will Lynch, the associate editor of Resident Advisor, and I'm here with Carlos Hawthorne. Hi. Angus Finlayson. Hello. And Emma Robertson. Hi. All right, so we're going to talk about some of our favorite records and performances from 2017. I guess I'll get the ball rolling and talk about DJ Sprinkles at Unsound, which was one of the definitive performances of the year for me. It was a DJ set. Long story short, I'd seen Sprinkles before and always really liked her DJ sets. But in the past, there was always a feeling of um, the situation kind of calling for something a little more clubby, or at least the way it seemed to me anyways. Maybe other people in the room were wishing it was a bit more, uh, had a bit more oomph. But this was, I guess, on the second or the last night of Unsound at Hotel Forum, which that context is a little bit more people are willing to, to allow for a slightly more artistic performance. Um, and the atmosphere completely worked for it. It was a kind of DJ set where it could have been all her material, kind of wispy, ghostly sounding house with the occasional dramatic uh, spoken word bit. And everyone was just kind of like lightly grooving to it. Everyone was completely on the level with this sort of mellower vibe. I guess seeing her in that situation of like, you know, Unsound has very intentional programming and putting her in this headlining slot um, at the main bit um, kind of made me reflect on how DJ Sprinkles is a really definitive artist of our time. Uh, kind of got everyone thinking about um, the idea of being a trans DJ, trans artist a few years before that actually became um, such a relevant topic uh, more broadly. Uh, and of course, the sound of her music, this sort of uh, club music, but with a level of kind of depth and emotional content that uh, is generally kind of unusual. Um, that too felt kind of prescient to me. Carlos, what do you got? I went for Night Moves at Nat Digital. Night Moves is Jane Fitz and Jade Seattle. Uh, two London-based DJs. And yeah, I kind of uh, caught the last two hours as a three-hour set. I'd been watching Jeff Mills over at the main stage. And when I wandered into the the second tent, the kind of place was uh, bubbling nicely. It wasn't packed, but it was kind of going pretty well. But I spoke to some friends and they told me that after the previous set, which was uh, Job Yobsey and Wilhelm, which was kind of big on hits, and they played Madonna's music, uh, among other things. When Night Moves came on... Um, the place totally emptied out. So they kind of had to spend the first hour kind of building things up. I don't know, you know, we talk a lot about sets at the moment and we we champion variety and people that move between genres and tempos and all this, but it was really nice just to kind of have, just to see two DJs doing the kind of house and techno thing so, so well. And this kind of restrained euphoria that they do, which is just a beautiful just combination of amazingly kind of supple, agile bass lines and really nice drums and rhythms and then these really nice melodies that you can just catch on to. Red Bull recorded the set and they put it live for a kind of really cruelly short amount of time and it's now not available anymore. Um, but yeah, it was just a really kind of memorable and enjoyable time. My pick was or is DJ Bus Replacement Service at Free Rotation. So yeah, obviously from the name you can already tell 
you're kind of in for a certain kind of ride there. Um, it felt like a bit like my world's colliding seeing this set because she is an artist who has performed at Bang Face, which is along with Free Rotation, sort of the other festival that I go to pretty much every year. Um, there, what she does, or the idea of sort of humour and silliness in music, I guess, is a bit more established. There's silliness involved in Free Rotation, but the music itself tends to be relatively sort of straight faced, I would say. She's sort of like a sort of rare groove digger selector, but for like Reddit jokes or something like that. Um, her sets, like these sort of collages of like YouTube parodies of famous songs, um, kitschy sort of easy listening, snippets of stand-up comedy and stuff like that. And she played kind of early on the Saturday evening at Free Rotation. And people started off, I think, quite puzzled, but willing to kind of see where it would go. And then by the end, there was this sort of climax moment with a Gabba and then a Trap remix of Have a Nagila. And um, I think by that point, people were going pretty wild. Uh, she also performed in this like genuinely sinister Kim Jong-un costume, complete with this like rubber head that would sort of bob around as she got more into it, which definitely added something. I think sort of pissing yourself laughing on the dance floor is not an experience that comes around every weekend, and I would highly recommend it. So my pick was Suzanne Ciani live at Terraforma. Uh, Terraforma is an experimental music festival in Milan, just outside of Milan, in the forest. And I was going to pick a more dance floor orientated set, but I think that these kind of ambient experimental sets or performances move me or speak to me a little bit more than just a regular DJ set dance floor vibes. Um, but so we were kind of waiting for her to come on all day and she played in the forest at sunset. And I think, I mean, there's nothing really more special than seeing an artist that you love so much uh, playing at in such a kind of magical time and space. Um, and she's amazing. I mean, she is older. She's like one of the old, one of the oldest performers at the festival. She's in her se late 70s now. And she just has so much grace with her instruments. I mean, she's had so much experience working with a bukla. And so seeing that live is really something special. Um, she gets so into it too. Her, like, her movements are really like deep and she's dancing and we we're all kind of crowded around her uh sitting in the field yeah she just it's it's like a thunderstorm her music it's so deep and so intense and at the end she actually blew the power at the festival so it kind of got cut off really quickly but everybody was just super into it and uh yeah it was great shall we do albums i picked john mouse's um screen memories the lp he put out this year something i like about him in general is that he's quite confusing or he's quite strange there's a weird tension between drama of his delivery and the seeming meaninglessness of his lyrics and then there's also the weird effect that somehow it's very easy to enjoy as just normal catchy music um i did an interview with him that for uh, practical reasons just didn't work out we ended up having very little time and there wasn't really any way to use it but something he said that really struck me was that he considers there to be zero element of comedy in his music at all um, and definitely no irony. He considers each of these songs to be really about something. For instance, with the song Touchdown, which is the one that had a video come out, and it basically just says, go for the touchdown, oh yeah, the touchdown. Um, and that's basically it. I asked him, like, so is that song about football? And he said, no. Um, but it is about something, and then he sort of thought about it, and he was like, it's, it's kind of just about how sometimes you just got to go for it, you know? 
and um, for each of his songs he has some sort of explanation like that but i think that sort of explains the strange energy to his music is that i mean it sounds like someone doing karaoke to a joy division song it doesn't sound serious but then at the same time you can tell something about it is he's not kidding around or this is um, sincere music oddly enough and just the context of the album is so weird they spent nearly five years making it alone in a house in rural minnesota and learned how to build synths in order to create a more interesting sound and then admitted that the result was not any different from his previous albums the whole thing was kind of a wasted exercise but i hadn't heard anything quite like that yet in a long time <laughs> went for DJ Sports's debut album, Modern Species, which came out on a firecracker. Um, Sports is uh, Milan Zax, his brother is Natal Zax, who uh, some people might know as DJ Central, and together they kind of head up this crew of very talented producers from Aarhus in Denmark. Um, they're associated with the label Regelbau, and then I think Central and Sports run help recordings. Um, and this was probably the most high-profile record to come from the stable so far. Um, and yeah, it's just a really beautiful atmospheric record. I draw parallels with the SW album that came out on Sued at the end of last year. Um, kind of humid sounds, this kind of rainforest um, atmospheres and this kind of very fluid approach to genre. There's ambient, techno house, jungle in there. And you kind of get this kind of very 90s feel. They do a very strong job of replicating the kind of just you just yeah the the vibe of those tunes um and yeah something that angus said actually in his review was that um something about the songs feel quite aimless they have this kind of balmy summer feel that um i really like they don't feel at all formulaic they kind of are always always shifting in this kind of really um special way and just um for whatever reason i found myself just kind of returning to it again and again just to kind of yeah kind of get introspective Carlos Hawthorne is extremely tantalising. Um, my pick is an album called Assemblage by Visible Cloaks, uh, who are an American duo. I guess these days it's quite hard to pinpoint records that come out which really sound modern in the sense that they really couldn't have existed before. Uh, but I sort of feel like this album is one of those this year. I mean, it does have very clear influences um, which are kind of rooted in the past, so particularly um, the Japanese ambient scene around like Yellow Magic Orchestra and related artists in the 80s and the 90s. Um, that whole world has had its own kind of resurgence recently. One of the artists from that world, Miyako Kuda, um, features on this album as well um, as a singer. But the way Visible Cloaks have kind of 
approach to sound, they've really updated it with modern tools and a modern sensibility. Um, particularly they use these kind of super lifelike um, software emulations of acoustic instruments that until recently computers didn't really have the processing power to sort of do these to quite um, to quite this level of polish and they give the album a really kind of uncanny valley sound um, they also use like sound to MIDI transformation techniques of some kind and they say they use like chance operations as well so there's some element of sort of randomness in the way that they um, arrange the songs um, but I think also another thing that's modern about it is just the way that it relates to it's subject matter, so we've had lots of discussions in the last couple of years about this idea of cultural appropriation and when it is or is not respectful to borrow from or take influence from different cultures. Um, and they, their sort of response to this is, so it, it's a reassemblage, you know, it's like not an attempt to, um, to better the thing that they're um, taking influence from or to exoticize it or to mimic it, but in some way to sort of make a companion piece to it um, that's coming from a very different place and I think that they're quite successful in that attempt. So my pick was Laurel Halo Dust, which came out on Hyperdub earlier this year. Uh, I interviewed Laurel, and what struck me about her kind of story of this album was that she said that she knows she's doing something right in the studio when it makes her laugh, when she has a kind of sound that's really weird or something really strange that makes her laugh or makes her smile. And I think you can really see that on this album or hear that on this album. Uh, I love how weird this record is. I think that the kind of the sounds that she creates and the vocals, everything is a bit kind of off kilter. There's bits where the vocals are kind of out of key or out of harmony with each other. And it's just a really strange sounding album that I just keep coming back to. Um, and I think that uh, Laurel Halos just had a really great year in general. I mean, she played this uh, album live at Loop earlier this year, I guess in November. And her drummer, Eli Kessler, who featured on this album quite a bit, I think is fantastic as well. Um, and yeah, this is just a record that I keep coming back to. Uh, I love all the tracks. I think the vocals are kind of soulful without being too poppy. Uh, generally, I just think it's a really great piece of music. July 5th by the Welsh producer now based in London named Leif Knowles, or simply Leif. Pretty much as long as I've known about Leif, I think he's been getting better and better as a producer and a DJ. He just keeps going further into this very particular sound that I think of as, I guess it's kind of psychedelic, but not in like a druggy way. It's just like really rich and kind of shimmering and kind of surreal. 
Um, the textures are really inspired and so are the grooves. And this track, July 5th, it was on the first release on his new 10 inch series. But for me, July 5th kind of embodies a lot of the things that I look for in music these days where kind of groovy and easy to get into. You could definitely play it at a party, but it has this kind of lurching halftime rhythm that very much stands out from everything else and just these sort of down the rabbit hole feeling of everything's kind of weird and upside down and coming out at strange angles. Um, but somehow the effect is that it's nice, like it's not disorienting or uh, trippy even per se. It's just sort of like has this kind of exquisite otherness to it um, that I really like. I think it's his best track he's done that I've heard, the only possible exception being uh, his next record that's about to come out. a track called Who Me by Laps. Um, Laps, are, or their full name is Ladies as Pimps. Um, they're a duo from Glasgow. Um, Lady Two Collars, who's in Golden Teacher, and uh, Suzuki, who's um, part of another duo called Organs of Love. Um, and they met at Green Door Studios, which is this kind of famous um, music studio in Glasgow. It's um, Golden Teacher record their music there. And they met on a kind of... Uh, on one of their courses that they run for unemployed um, 16 to 25 year olds. This was back in 2012, they did an EP in 2014. Um, and this is their follow up to that. Um, just full disclosure, I, I, I know Suzuki from back in the day, she's a friend of an ex-girlfriend. Um, and she's always been into, yeah, just really interesting music and doing things in a very DIY way, kind of um, big into analog gear and has this kind of really kind of anarchic vibe about her and um, this really comes through in this Laps record you have um, Lady Two Collars has this really kind of powerful voice and then this track in particular just I mean the whole EP is great there's five tracks on there um, but this track in particular just strikes that really kind of for me like wonderful sweet spot between like weird and poppy and kind of um, yeah pop and post-punk and dubby and this kind of sleazy i don't know it just it just kind of brings all these elements together there's a lot of humor in there there's these kind of very catchy french lyrics a little bit pompous i don't know it's just got a really kind of fun vibe i i mean i mostly was listening to it kind of on my own and then i was i know that ben ufo had been supporting it um they'd done a, i think they featured on a, one of his hessel audio shows and he played a track on radio one um but I was still I was surprised to hear him play it in a set. It was a Ben UFO and Blau one again at Knack Digital. And, um, you know, it was a lot of very linear house and techno tunes. And then suddenly there was this kind of really kind of quite extravagant, whatever you'd call it, pop dub post-punk thing. And it just really, you know, uh, galvanised the, the main stage and brought everyone together. And it was a really nice moment. Who, me? I is the queen. The queen. Yeah, me bad. Yeah, me bad. Just like machine. <laughs> Gone. Why you go do? When me wine real hard pan you, wine. Qui moi? Je suis la reine. Je suis fort. Ça c'est certain. Délicieux. Comme de bonbon. Comme de bonbon. Comme de bonbon. Comme de bonbon. Délicieux. My pick is Stand Up by Pangea. 
Pangea is obviously a really well-respected British producer. He's made lots of big tunes over the years, but hes I don't think he's ever really had sort of a crossover hit in the way that, for instance, um, his fellow Hessel Audio founder, Pearson Sound, has every now and then made a track that you really hear absolutely everywhere. And I think that sort of suits Pangea's musical personality somehow, that he tends to do things that are just a little bit more spiky or like unwelcoming and take a little bit more work to sort of get in under the surface of them. Um, but this track is his sort of big crossover moment. Um, I've heard it absolutely everywhere this year um, and often popping up in quite unexpected kind of sets and contexts. Um, it's a remix of a built around a Lolita Holloway acapella. So Stand Up is the name that this acapella got, I think, when it was then sampled in or used in 90s house. Um, but it's originally from a track from 1976 called Dreamin'. Um, and yeah, this this vocal is sort of part of the repertoire of um, dance music samples. But Pangea does something quite fresh with it. He sort of like slices it and stutters it and zeroes in on like certain bits of it that have a certain um, flair or a certain sort of quality and then sticks this like banging breakbeat underneath. Um, and yeah, it just really reminded me of um, a lot of Hessel Audio's best moments in that it's um, very unusual and very clever, but also really simple and direct. Um, and uh, yeah, it gave me sort of pleasant flashbacks to hearing a lot of the things that they were doing five or more years ago. I know you want my thing. You see that? You see, I know I got a good thing. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. You see, girls, this man. So my pick is Do Decor or Do Decor by Jan Jelinek, which came out uh, on his album Loop Finding Jazz Records, which is a reissue uh, that originally came out on Scape in 2001 and has now been re-released on uh, Jan Jelinek's label Fetish. Yeah, I love this whole record. I mean, I could listen to it doing anything, writing, reading, cooking just being around the house I think it's such a perfect record for just kind of not exactly background music but something to listen to while you're doing something else I think that the repress of this just sounds so incredible I mean just in terms of all the different sounds that come out and I think the grit and kind of raw honesty of this music comes out a lot in this repress especially I think there's something really simple about this track in particular but it's always the one when I'm listening to this record that I always kind of unconsciously kind of bob along to or start dancing to a little bit. I think it has enough of like an interesting rhythm um, despite being a kind of more ambient atmospheric track. I think this whole album is like quite mellow and chilled but still so interesting to me. Uh, it reminds me a bit of like Akufen My Way, that kind of first micro sampling album which I also really love. Every time you listen to it you kind of hear a new layer of something that comes out in this record.
You're listening to RA's year-end edition of The Hour. Our tech editor Mark Smith got into a cupboard and recorded his thoughts from Sydney, Australia. So this might seem like a little bit of a cop-out, but my favourite release track and live set were all by the same person this year. It's a German artist based out of Hamburg called Christoph de Babylon. He is probably best known for releasing music on Alec Empire's label back in the 90s. And it typically gets called things like breakcore, dark ambient, things like that. But he's had a long career, but he released an EP on a label called Viz, V-I-S, a Hamburg label run by Nina and Good News, who have uh, been running a party out of Golden Poodle for a long time. Great DJs in their own right. But Grim Zenith, basically, it seems like a lot of people who you'd think would have known about Babylon's early work kind of didn't, and this record seems to have introduced a lot of people to him, which is great because it's just a fantastic record. Even though he sounds like he has things to do with breakcore, the record is almost more drum and bass, but it's not slick in the way that a lot of modern drum and bass is. It's break heavy and has the similar sorts of sub bass to drum and bass, but it's coming at it from a much more DIY approach without playing into the aesthetic of lo-fi-ness or anything like that. You know, in the whole year you get passed through so much different stuff and this just kind of obviously felt a step above everything to me. Both the tracks on the A side could be contender for favorite track for sure. And um, I saw him play at Same Heads in Berlin in, I think it was June. And it was maybe almost two hours long, all his own music, I assume it sounded like it, but he's just this guy where if, if he had a platform, like a media platform and was playing trendy festivals, he would be the toast of the town. But he's just been kind of quietly doing his thing for ages. And hopefully he gets a bit of momentum out of this release and having, you know, attention from some younger audiences and hope that translates to a bigger things for him next year. staff writer speaking to you from my home in Rotterdam, the Netherlands. I am very proud of my adopted city, so I've selected a track from a singer-songwriter from Rotterdam who's had a breakout year in 2017. She's called Sev Deliza, originally from Tehran. She moved to Rotterdam at an early age, but has only been involved in music for the last few years. Before that, she was a professional basketball player. I've picked a track off her debut album, Ison, which was released in August. The whole thing has been produced by Mucky from Rotterdam grime crew Noise Boys, who recently teamed up with Wiley. The track is called Human, a smouldering ballad which to me is about looking past the external labels we give ourselves and the ones others give to us, because at the core we are all flesh, bone, skin, soul, human. I am. 
Like thousands of people around the world, I was gearing up for one party and one party only this year, and that was Thunderdome. Admittedly, the thought of raving with 40,000 people was intimidating, to say the least. But once I got in there and shaved my head, I felt immediately at home. I was there till the bitter end. I was the last person to leave. I saw many great sets that night, but the one that impressed me the most for the sheer amount of prep that went into it was DJ Promo's 25 years of hardcore set on the main stage at 2am. As that implies, he chronologically steamrolled his way through 25 years of hardcore music in just under an hour. There were Stone Cold classics, Thunderdome anthems, sing-alongs and furious tempo changes. It all came with a stellar pyrotechnic show featuring fire, lasers, video and a troop in chemical suits and masks, bearing flares and blasting the crowd with fire extinguishers. Promo ended the set bang up to date with a track from the outside agency called Locker Room Talk sampling Trump's now notorious pussy grabber speech. East London rapper and poet Kojay Radical has made my album of 2017. It's called In God's Body, released in September as a follow-up to last year's outstanding 23 Winters, which was written around a conversation with Kojay's father. In God's Body delivers powerful polemics on race, identity and social politics, but it is also a record about everyday life, friendship, love. The productions vary in style from Aggie Trap to blissful sing-alongs. There's also a strong rock element. He actually performed with a full band at a festival downtown in Rotterdam over the summer, and it made as much sense as when I saw him again with his DJ at Progress Bar in Amsterdam. His album is thoughtful, provocative, and deeply engaging, featuring collaborators like Grime MC Getz, R&B singer Shola Rama, plus a spoken word contribution from British actress Michaela Cole, best known for her BAFTA award-winning comedy, Chewing Gum. I can't wait to hear more from Kojay in the years to come. Come follow me, come follow me, gang. Lovely. Either way, I'm here forever in God's body. I'm him baptized in brown liquor and wrapped in brown skin. Peep the pigment, draped in my new rag, speak the fiction. Please keep your hands in the air like stop resisting. If you were prepared for the heat, then leave the kitchen. Too many chefs on the stove, don't suit the picture. Gorillas fall from the trees like I am Caesar. Blood, sweat, and tears in my eyes for non believers. I can't keep an ounce of fear in my demeanor. Every day, I pray for the snakes and glory legions I learned how on my own, now I'm the teacher I run circles around the lab, your leader right? Come follow me, come follow me, come Cage words don't sing song freedom You were the last tonight where I'm from I've been left alone at my ones I came back free, five, four, fum I smell blood, no, I can't run Man down, man down, rum, pum, pum Like man down, man down,